HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Restaurants employ over 15 million people nationwide, and two-thirds of all restaurants are independently owned and not part of big chains. Yet currently, these small businesses are not represented in government relief negotiations. Roar is working to change that by fighting for relief opportunities for all restaurants. Roar is advocating for an eight-point plan in New York State that will allow restaurants to reopen and rehire when the time comes. Dozens of industry leaders have signed on to the plan, like Nam Wa Tea Parlor, Field Trip, Momofuku, and many more of your favorites. You can join them at change.org by searching for Roar, relief opportunities for all restaurants. Lead me in the kitchen, what are we going to Our histories share it on a plate. What do you taste? Bring your body, bring your love, bring the ones you're thinking of. Make space and listeners weird time uh this is queer the table and we are technically not in a season right now um season two will start up this summer but the world is crazy and i have more time than i ever have and this conversation this this particular story felt like something that i could offer uh, my name is Emmett Findley, and I am the Director of Communications at God's Love We Deliver in New York City. The work that Emmett and his colleagues do has always been life-sustaining. In fact, God's Love We Deliver was founded at the height of another pandemic that hit New York City especially hard, the AIDS crisis. So God's Love We Deliver began in 1985, so almost 35 years ago, um, as a response to the AIDS pandemic. Um, our founder, Ganga Stone, she um, was a hospice worker and she went to visit a man named Richard Sale who was very, very sick. Um, and she went and deli- and to him and she, she, you know, she asked him, what, what did he need? And he, he said, well, I'm really, really hungry, I need food. 
so she went out to the, the bodega, the store, and she went and got him, um, you know, uh, just a bunch of different things, and she brought them the groceries back to his home, and she left them on the counter, and she said, okay, I'll be, I'll be back to check on you tomorrow. Here's some food. She goes back the next day, and she sees that the groceries have been left untouched. And she said, well, you know, Richard, I got you all this food. What's going on? And he said, I, I, can't, I can't open the, pa- the packaging. I can't cook for myself. I'm too weak. I just can't do it. And what she realized is that when you're very, very sick like that, you need not just food. You need a, a home-cooked, you need a prepared meal delivered right to you so that you don't have to worry about the process around all of it. You can just, you know, eat it and enjoy it and, and hopefully gain strength from it. At the time of the organization's founding, thousands of people in New York City, mostly gay men, had already died of complications related to HIV-AIDS. There was no treatment at all for the virus. The first, AZT, wouldn't be approved until 1987. God's Love We Deliver, though, has always believed that food is medicine. They work in collaboration with registered dietitians to devise medically tailored meals. In other words, food that supports the recovery, treatment, or just overall health of the client. God's Love We Deliver solely served people with HIV-AIDS until 2001. Um, but as you know, the drug cocktails came on the scene in the mid-90s, you know, our clients were uh, living longer and um, really a lot of people, and people were getting better. And we realized that all of that expertise that we had gained around nutrition and illness and HIV could really be applied to so many other illnesses. Um, and so today we actually serve to over 200 individual diagnoses, which means we're serving people with HIV and cancer, and cardiovascular disease, and Parkinson's disease, et cetera, et cetera. And we're really there for New York City's most vulnerable people. So in a year, we serve about 8,600 people, and that's not just our clients, but also their children and their senior caregivers. And on any given day, that averages to about half of that, which is, you know, 4,300. Wow. So in order to just do all of that, um, I'm wondering what day-to-day operations looked like, you know, in in the time before. Yeah, pre, pre-pandemic. I mean, you can guess that, you know, from someone calling saying, I'm sick and I'm hungry, I need help, and they live, you know, in the farthest end of Queens, right? To, to get that phone call here and to, to prepare that meal in our kitchen and get it to deliver to their door, it's a very complex operation. Um, it involves a client services representative doing a full intake. It involves a registered dietitian nutritionist actually getting on the phone with that person and designing that menu just for them based on their illness and their treatments and their preferences, right? Are they vegetarian? Do they need a textured meal because they have, you know, difficulty chewing or swallowing? So so first we've got that meeting with the, the chef and, and the nutrition department. Mm-hmm. They design that menu. When someone has, someone sort of gets assigned that menu, um, that means, you know, we're receiving one ton of food a day in our kitchen to process. So from that one ton of food, we're, we're building out a bunch of meals. And we've got volunteer shifts from 6.30 in the morning to 8 o'clock at night. And those volunteer shifts include everything from chopping and peeling and unpacking and packing out a meal and ladling soup. I mean, like any sort of part of the cooking process that you can picture, it's done by volunteers. The seasoning of the chicken, the 
the sauce on the thing. Like it's all, every piece of the process is really put together by volunteers. And of course, our chefs are in the back doing all of the heavy cooking, right? So there's that whole process and volunteers down assembly lines and, and um, in groups helping make all that happen. Once that meal is actually put in its container, um, it's then flash frozen. Um, and we do that, so we deliver all of our meals frozen so that our clients can put them right away in the freezer. It, you know, we don't have to worry about food safety. And, you know, we want to give our clients a lot of choice. You know, we understand that when you're sick and you have to go to doctor's appointments and adhere to medicines and treatments and things like that, there's so many other things in life that might seem regimented. Um, that might seem out of your control. But if you get control over what you're eating, when you want to eat it, how you want it to be, like, there's a lot of power in that. Um, and we hope that even in just having that frozen meal, our clients sort of feel that, that choice. In fact, I spoke to a client one day, and she showed me her, her freezer that had her God's Love meals in it. And she said, you know, her name is Heidi. And she said, you know, when I open my freezer, I just think, oh, I'm in Heidi's restaurant. I just get to eat what I want. And and she doesn't get to go to the restaurants anymore, you know. And this is pre, pre-COVID-19. But, you know, for someone who really isn't able to get to restaurants, who doesn't shop, who doesn't cook for themselves, like really having that choice is so key, I think. So anyway, you know, after the meal leaves the kitchen and it's frozen, it gets put in a bag by volunteers. And then that meal gets um, – pack out to a driver who puts it in the van, and then they, they are off on their way, and they're delivering. And, you know, they're, they're driving to the top of the Bronx and the bottom of Staten Island and everywhere in between delivering those meals. And, like, one, it's really important that these meals are home-delivered, that we are able to give them to the client so that they can see a friendly face so that they can remember that it's more than a meal that they're given, right? They're given human connection and all the love from volunteers. It's it's all of that wrapped up in a meal and yeah. a delivery. So even just hearing that, like uh, knowing the reality that we're in, obviously so much of that has changed and you're still delivering meals. And so I'm thinking about when things started to ramp up and, and other businesses around the country and especially in New York, we're, we're starting to have those conversations about closing um, or having staff work from home. What, what type of conversations were you all having? Well, I think the main conversation we were having is that, you know, God's Love We Deliver, we need to do the work that we're doing. Cooking and home delivering medically tailored meals for people who are sick is, it, it just needs to happen. And, you know, it, it's even almost more important at this time, you know, for the most vulnerable, um, that, they, that they have that comfort and care um, at a time of crisis that can be really, really scary. Um, but we worked you know, we worked very hard at the beginning of all of this to think ahead to what could happen and how we were going to be able to support our clients in a scary time. And so several weeks ago, we we, we took a week and we packed out um, seven days' worth of, of shelf-stable nutrition for clients. So these were bags filled with, um, you know, uh, cans and boxes of food, um, so that all of our clients could have seven days' worth of that key nutrition um, in the event that God's love is unable to deliver. Um, and, you know, we've really, we're really proud that we were able to do those shelf-stable bags and still deliver regular meals. There's been no interruption in service for our clients, and that is really important. 
And, you know, we've heard from clients who have just said, you know, this is a really scary time, but I feel so much better knowing that I have God's love we deliver in my life. And that's, that's what we're here for. God's Love We Deliver was declared an essential business by the city, and so they've been able to continue meals. Even though there hasn't been any interruption of service for clients, the mechanics of the work have changed dramatically. Yeah, it feels almost like human Tetris, how we've had to sort of reorganize everything and look at our, what do you call them, blueprints, and sort of figure out, well, now this person goes here and this person goes there, but we've been able to streamline our operations in the kitchen so that you know, volunteer projects that used to be very close together, right, as you hand the meal down the line, we've now been able to space them out so that volunteers aren't that close to each other. And we're working with the minimum number of volunteers we can on each project just so that we're having, you know, fewer people in the building. And so we have altered our delivery protocol across the board. Drivers have masks and gloves. Um, But we have now let all of our clients know that um, before they get their delivery, they should expect a call from the driver so they get a heads up. And then when they arrive at the client's home, the driver is going to knock on the door and leave the meal outside. Then what they do is they they turn around and they walk away and then they wait for the, the client to then open the door and so that they can give them a wave from, you know, far enough down the hallway so that it's a safe distance. But that way... We get to see that the client receives their meal, but we're not in that direct contact. Um, But also, especially during this pandemic, you know, the majority of our clients are older, and all of them have multiple underlying serious health conditions. So all of them are at great risk for this, and we are, you know, it's really crucial that we're able to provide them with these, these meals at this time and all year round, but really especially now. Yeah, I've I've actually heard from clients, and I think we're all hearing from clients who, when they receive their delivery, they give us a call and they just let us know it meant the world to me. I feel so much better. I we've actually had clients who have used that word. I feel safe, knowing I have God's love. We deliver, and like, hey, that's that's the good news, you know. Not only is the organization continuing to operate, they've actually seen a huge increase in requests as other food providers have been forced to close due to the pandemic. If you or someone you know could benefit from their services, please head to glwd.org. Clients don't pay anything for their meals, and delivery is available for folks in all five boroughs of New York City, as well as Westchester and Nassau counties and Hudson County, New Jersey. If you or someone you know could benefit from these services but don't live in New York, God's Love is actually the convener of the Food is Medicine Coalition, which is made up of similar organizations all across the country. Both of those sites are linked in the show notes. Also, if you are able, you can support the work of God's Love We Deliver and or one of the partner organizations, either by donating from the comfort of your own home, or if you feel like you can, by signing up to volunteer. Okay. Uh, That's it for today. Queer the Table will officially be back in June. Uh, The show is produced by me, Nico Whistler. Our logo was designed by Natalie Uduella. Our theme song was written and performed by Denali Gillespie, who also inspired the name for the show. If you want more queer food content, you can follow us on Instagram at Queer the Table. And if you're a fan of the show and didn't get a chance to during season one, you can subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, Lastly, we are very, very stoked to be a product of the Heritage Radio Network. Um, They have done just an incredible job moving the entire operation to be remote and continuing to produce 
incredible food radio, um, especially including a lot of coverage around how the pandemic is affecting all aspects of the food system. If you want to listen to if you want to listen to more of that content, and I really recommend that you do, um, you can go to heritageradionetwork.org. Okay, that's it for today. Uh, stay safe, stay well. I care about you. Bye for now. Ben's Friends is the food and beverage industry support group offering hope, fellowship, and a path forward to professionals who struggle with substance abuse and addiction. Ben's Friends exists to provide a safe haven and an anonymous, judgment-free forum for workers in an industry that has one of the highest rates of substance abuse in the country. Their mission hasn't changed during quarantine. Ben's Friends chapters across the country are now offering online meetings. You can find a chapter near you at benfriendshope.org.